Hello and welcome back everyone to yet another episode of Burn Your Boats, The Interview, episode number 14. Nope, scratch that, not 14, it's 15. And this is the confusing part, is that I had the conversation with Chris, uh, Chris Hoffman, who's on the show today, and we had a full-on conversation um, leading up to the actual interview about my interview with uh, Will Ford and how Will really wanted to be episode 13, and so I geared it, and then the next conversation I had, the next sequential conversation that I had was with Chris, and so... I told him that he was going to be episode 14, and then I ended up publishing Tony's before then. It's all good. It's all good. This is all behind-the-scenes stuff that I'm sure you really care about. So, anyway, um, this is episode number 15, and it is with Chris Hoffman. Chris and I, we got some history, man. We really do. We go back, and getting a chance to sit down and pick his brain when it came to the kind of business side was i mean it was kind of natural because that's kind of been our relationship even i think that i met him when i was 15 or 16 years old and i started working at lansky's my first real job i guess that's not that's not right it's not my first real job but it was the first job that i drove to and i like clocked in and i was getting paid hourly i guess that would be the best way to look at it so i delivered papers and vended lemonade at the cold world series and found a whole bunch of little ways to make money prior to that but it was the first uh, like w2 producing job i think so it was uh it was significant to me in a lot of ways and it's still it's something that i'll never forget and i worked there all through high school it was a fantastic job. I loved it. I loved the environment. I loved the people. It was it was phenomenal. And I worked there for a while before Chris had made his way back to the location that I worked at. And um, the restaurant that his parents and his father owned is called Lansky's. And when I started there, there were two locations. and Or they had just opened up a third. But... So, and it's all in Omaha, Nebraska, and it's an independent restaurant that's makes over a million dollars a year, I think, fairly easily is, uh, I believe that Chris references that in the conversation, I don't want to misquote him, but that sounds right, and, um, so it's, a, it's really good, it's really successful, especially for the type of restaurant that it is in the area that it's at, um, there's a lot of competition, so they, they do really well, and Chris has been... And in the path to take ownership of of Lansky's um, for quite some time. I mean, essentially, he's kind of, kind of been groomed for it throughout his life. And now he's really stepped into that role more so. And so I got a chance to talk to him at this stage in his life where where that's a big part of it. We get to talk about how he, how he fosters a sense of family and tribe within... Uh, an industry that it's really hard to maintain uh, people for in, employees for an elongated period of time because it's a generally it's kind of a low it's a low skill job for most of the positions and a lot of the times it's people that are in transit or, or young people that are having the job while they're in high school and then they transition out and go to college and so looking for that employee that's going to be there for 5, 10, 15 years is really difficult and so he, he has unique uh and i think very effective ways of establishing 
that deeper relationship with his employees than rather than just that of the employer-employee um, dynamic. So I think he, he really does a good job of, of laying that out. And that's the one thing that I really appreciate about Chris and that you'll see is that it's, he's just super insightful and has there's a, lot of, there's a lot of thought behind all of his words and all of his actions. And so it's, and it's just, we get very real about the way that things go and, and how personalities drive, drive us to do some things that, that aren't necessarily in our best interest, but, um, but yeah, no, it was really good. And especially for anybody that's in, in an industry or is interested in, in getting into an industry that is food related and dealing directly with customers and having or employing even just one or but a, a whole workload of people that requires managing and, and caring. This is a phenomenal interview and it is jam-packed full of amazing value. Here is Chris Huff. Uh, Chris, why don't you just, you know, kind of give your introduction and, uh, we're focused a lot on like the professional side of the house, but by all means, like who is Chris? Who's Chris Hoffman? Um, well, uh, first and foremost, I'm addicted to fishing. That's my actual <laughs> true love outside of work. Um, and then just spending time with the family, uh, actually a very simple human being. Um, don't need the fancy stuff, but, uh, you know, enjoy it in spurts, that kind of thing. Um, other than that, it's not a lot to me. Just yeah. a lot of work and a lot of attitude. That's about it. Yeah, no, and that's something that I've always appreciated. Yeah. Always straight. One of the most straightforward, honest people I've ever met. Yeah, so try to be. I'm never. Least. I never. I never don't know. I always know where I sit with you and, like, and, and how you feel True. about whatever it is that we're talking about. Uh, it serves me well, but it gets me in some trouble at times too because I can't hold it back. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I imagine that uh, professionally that that. That can be an asset. I imagine it could be a liability as well. Both, but I think um, I think if you're going to be in charge of people and you're going to run anything, the f- first thing you have to do is be honest. Um, yeah. You know, if if you're going to tell someone they're doing okay when they're not, nothing's ever going to get better. You you've got to be able to level with people um, and tell them right where they stand. And um, I think there's an introspective into that too, where you have to be able to level with yourself. Uh, you know, you, anyone can convince themselves that they're capable of doing anything, but simple fact of the matter is, is you're not capable of doing everything, whether it be cause you're not good at, I don't know, mathematics. You're not good at handling people. You're not good at handling yourself, whatever it is. You have to know your own weaknesses. Um, cause if you can't identify your own weaknesses, you're never going to get stronger anywhere else. Right. Yeah. So. I think that's a really important aspect. One of the premises and the reasons why I'm doing the show is, it was. It's all about identifying what your internal narrative is. We all, especially as Americans, I feel like this is a particular a truth for us: is that we are all the main character in the movie of our of our lives. Right. You know. True. And True. so, but with so that we're we're essentially telling ourselves a story every day, mm-hmm. and so a lot of that can be empowering. You know, but I think a lot of the time that it actually ends up being a limitation. So you will say things, somebody might say something like, I can't do this because I'm not good at that. And, and so that's what, 
it's it's really I love what you just said because it goes almost counter to like the narrative that I try to break, but it's also it's it's immensely important to identify your strengths. Like remove the false limitations that you put on yourself. Like, right. oh, I can't get that promotion because I'm not smart enough or I'm not good enough. Right. You know, and then and you can use that and like, well what's what's tr- actually true about that right you know versus if i came out today and was like i'm gonna go be a neuroscientist i'm gonna be an astrophysicist maybe if i dedicate the next 40 years of my life diligently but you've got to work on your weaknesses yeah and i think that's where the identification comes in um when you work in an industry where you are you're you're with people like you're not in uh, like web design or anything like that where it's like I'm doing this thing and I provide the service to a consumer. Like, yes, you have customers, right. but you have a lot of people that work for you to produce the products of value. I can't do – I can't run the operation by myself. Exactly. So um, I've got to know my strengths and my weaknesses, but I've also got to know the strengths and weaknesses of the people that work with me. Um. You know, and try and be part of the collective. I don't think running anything from the top down is necessarily the way to go. I mean, you have to do it. Yes, you have to run things from the top down, but um, <clears throat> I think to establish credibility, they have to know that you are one capable and two willing to do um, anything they're willing or capable of doing. Um, I mean, just just yesterday. We had an odd lunch rush. I had meetings coming in, sort of pop-up meetings I wasn't expecting and things like that. Um, And my butt ended up doing dishes at the end of the afternoon. I'm the boss. The buck stops with me and I'm washing dishes. Um, So I think that's important. Uh, I think it builds credibility. I think um, not putting yourself above any job is extremely important because the moment you're too good for something, you're not good enough for anything. Um, You can't. You can't look down on things. You, you, everything is part of the collective. It's part of the operation. It keeps the ship moving forward. And if there's a job that needs to be done, just do the damn job. It's exactly I mean, it. Why are you going to stand around and wait for someone else to get it done? Just, just go do it and be, be part of that collective. Um, but like you were saying, if you were going to be a neuroscientist or whatever it is, would it take you a long time? Yeah. Could you get there? Yeah, I'm sure you could. You know, I'm sure all the world cast soccer players aren't all ambidextrous, but they can sure as heck kick with both feet. Now I'm sure it took them a long time to learn how to kick with their less dominant foot, but they can do it because it's part of the deal. Um, so identify your weaknesses and and work on those. Know your strengths and know that your strengths probably aren't going to need as much work as your weaknesses. Well, and it's that's one of the things that you know when you get introspective and you start looking at yourself and you identify those weaknesses we put a lot of effort you know and if you're at that stage in your life where you're able to do that and you start taking that action like okay well i need to work on my social skills i need to be able to interact with people more effectively you know or or whatever the case may be for any individual one thing that i think that does get left off maybe some people just do it naturally but it's your is Focusing on your strengths too, and so you don't focus energy on 
making them better. They're already your strengths. It's like your innate abilities to do certain things. Right. Right. So you naturally have certain skills that lend, let you be a good leader, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and empathize with people and sympathize with people. So your, and your, and your communication skills seem like from the day that I met you were like, I'm like, Oh, okay. Like this, you know how to communicate clearly what needs to happen. And so that's a strength. And identifying that, acknowledging that that exists, and then flexing it, right? You know, and making sure that that doesn't fall to the wayside as you as you even focus on repairing or working on some of your weaknesses. My one of my big weaknesses is details. Oh I, my god, me too. I <laughs> I'm definitely a big picture guy. <laughs> yeah, and that's and I, I think you know in in my industry, I need I need detail people. I'm the big picture guy. I know, you know, I know how much money we need to put in the registers every day. I know how much money we can spend on, you know, groceries, deliveries, orders, whatever, whatever the one of a thousand expenses that we have day to day, year to year is. But where I start to lose it is, are the Parmesan shakers full out front? Are, are, um, and it's, and, and it's that stuff that'll kill you. You know, um, did you empty the trash can by your front door this morning? That's where I start to break down. And so I've got to go in and constantly remind myself detail, 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 detail. Because if I'm strong at something, it's eventually going to become second nature. Well, it's it's easy to ride that wave of you just do your strengths. It's easy. Everyone takes care of the rest. But... You've at least got to be aware of it so you're watching it. And then I guess that transitions, I suppose, into delegation. That was exactly you've, where my head was at. Like bringing in the good people that you know that balance out your skill set. Right. And and it goes, too, as to, you know, when you're, you know, the idea of the idea of a restaurant is very simple. The idea of a lot of things is very simple. Right. You you buy food. You make something with it. You I mean you buy food at X price. You put it all together, and then you sell it to customer for Y price, and you keep the difference. Right. It was the easiest concept in the world. Sure. Well, you know the the heartache is in the execution. So how do you get? 20, 30, 50 people to all follow this same route with you? And how do you get them to to come along with you and make them feel like they're working with you, not for you, and giving them responsibility at the same time? And most of all, giving them responsibility of things that you know that you're probably not either going to get to or forget or just not do as good of a job of. Um, for instance, I'm training somebody to manage one of the stores right now. I've got to get out of management. I've got to stop standing in the restaurant for 10 hours a day, every day of my life. I have other things I need to do in order to run the company that no one will ever see, which is okay. And I found need to see it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I found that the guy that I'm training to do the order, and when I say the order, the, the big truck that comes in the $9,000, $10,000 a week worth of food that we buy I have trained someone else to do it and I'm starting to realize that this dude is better at it than I am. He's just, he has a better handle on it than I do. In fact, when I try and step in and help him out where I think he's missed an item and I order it and I bring it in as a special 
And then I, I go to him, I say, hey, Ryan, I, I added this because I, I thought we might be low. And he goes, oh, no, no, I think, I think we would have been good, but let's see what happens. We were fine. It was me that screwed it up. <laughs> so um, so I think some of that, too, is, is knowing when to, and it's, it's hard for anyone in my position, is to let go and let them, let them do what they're going to do. Um, and then realizing, hey, if he's better at the order than I am, that's, that's a great problem to have. Um, so, you know, know your strengths, know your weaknesses and know when someone has, has, is doing either a a good enough job to get the job done or they're absolutely excelling at it. He's absolutely excelling at it. So now he comes to me for advice and I just look at him and go, I don't know. I just shrug. I just look at him, shrug and say, "I, I don't know, man, you're doing fine. Why don't you just handle it? And I let him handle it and I try and keep an eye on things to make sure, you know, nothing's completely missing but you know a second set of eyes never hurts of course um but now that i know that he's good at it and he's strong at it i'm gonna let him run with it i'm not gonna interfere um which then helps me get on to the next thing to try and find someone who's better at the next thing than i am yeah because then it's the next thing and then it's the next thing and it's and a constant continue to surround yourself with the great people it's a constant growth and progression i mean isn't that what everything is about it's yeah. constant progression and the you know and nothing's linear no, that's huge. That's a huge thing to identify. I've failed many times when I try to lay my life out in, oh, yeah. in, a, in a linear path. Like, yeah. well, I want to do this. In order to do that, I have to do this. Then I have to do that. Then I have to do that. Yeah. And because I said them in that order, now they must be done in that order. And that's not. You know? And it's like. It, you're going to set yourself up for failure. You yeah. Can't be so well, because rigid. the other opportunities, you know, you know, item three presents itself as an opportunity early on. You're like, I'm not ready for that. Right. You know, like blow that up. Get get rid of or all you of that. start the order you think things need to fall in, all of a sudden you get to step two and you go, uh, I got this backwards. Yeah. I need I need five at three, three at four, and four at five. Exactly. And you, you you've you've got to adjust, you've got to adapt. Um it's just about about staying fluid. Yeah. And not that flexibility is yeah, and not crucial. being rigid. And it's that's hard because it's very hard. I Especially think, if you find a, a way that works. And you're like, I've done this thing and I have systems and processes in place mm-hmm. to have something come in and kind of shake that. It can be, can be hard because it's like, it's like you're a baby. Yeah. You know, change is difficult. It is. But sometimes it's necessary. Um, and sometimes it doesn't work out, but sometimes it does. And then, and then there's the constant growth that constantly you're getting better. You're getting better. You're getting better. I mean, I was, I was thrown into management at, 21, 22. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I work for my father. My dad's the one that started the Lansky's thing and I've grown up in the place and I've done everything from washing dishes to running multiple restaurants. I mean, I washed dishes for the first two years of my employment straight through. He wasn't going to let me get away with anything. Um, that's an awesome approach. I have so yeah, much love and, and respect for that. And, I, and I've done it all. I mean, I still do it all. I still put trucks away. I still yeah. clean the fryer. I still clean the pizza oven. I'm not above any job. Um, well, but that goes that, back to what you were saying about kind of like establishing almost like a tribe-like nature. Yeah. You know, there. So the, I see that, you know, you, you're willing to roll your sleeves up and to, and to dive into the muck with the rest of the yeah. team like that can help build that. Are there any other ways that you see that you've been able to kind of build that f- more family-like environment in the workplace with the employees? Yeah, you stand by your people. I mean, you just 
um, you've got to hold them accountable. It's almost like you got to love them a little bit before you start beating them, you know. Um, and you've got to learn when to be heavy-handed with people and when to not be heavy-handed with people. And I think the other thing is, is treat them like they're freaking humans. They're not a bunch of robots walking around. I mean, these people have families. These people get sick. These people have kids. They, they, you know, and, and whatever you may have come up in your life, chances are they're going to have the same stuff. Yeah. They're going to have family emergencies. They're going to have deaths in the family. They're going to have, um, things go wrong with them. They're going to have, they're going to, their backs are going to hurt. Their feet are going to hurt. Yeah. They're going to get injured. They're going to get sick. Their stuff is going to happen. We're all human. Um, and when they, when they need something from you, help them out. I think even, even if you get the impression that you might be taken advantage of just a little bit, it's probably better to just shut up. Just be quiet about it. Stand by them. And a lot of times what you, what you give to people is what you get back. But you normally have to be the first one to give before you get. Especially in... in I mean, there's a hierarchy to these relationships. Right. Like they are your employees. Right. You know, and you are exchanging time for money. Right. You know? And so... To, They're to, providing to, a service that we're right. paying for. Yeah. But, but to break through that on the personal level... Right. I, I'm getting what you're saying. Like, you've got to give them that little bit. You know, you're the one that is really there to choose to establish that relationship or not. Because that person could... And especially when you look at your industry, it is... So tough because it is, I mean, at the end of the day, most of the jobs there are low-skilled jobs. And so you have people that are coming in that don't, if they had a skill, they're not like a a tangible skill, like they're a mechanic or, you know, whatever, then they're going to be doing that job. Exactly. And so you have, and so this you know, you're going to bring in a lot of young people. A lot of, I worked at Lansky's when I was in high school. Exactly. And... And you've since moved on. Yeah, and and, and exactly. And so there's a, the the transition rate, like the attrition rate is is high. Oh, you know? the turnover, yeah, oh is gosh. incredible. Um, and that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about, with like in the sense of like risk, because you are in a position where you're you're hiring people. Yeah. Or, and do you still do that, or is that a delegated? Yeah, still task? do it. Okay. So, I mean, every time that you're bringing another human into that environment into this like re- i would assume is a relatively cohesive work group usually you know? there, there are always i they remember have their moments <laughs> yeah I mean, we all have our special cases especially um, the ones that have been there for a while yeah it to 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 sustain in the restaurant industry takes a certain amount of insanity yeah and usually with that comes a certain amount of attitude and an impatience and uh, you forget what it's like to be new. When you've been doing something for half your life, you forget what it's like to be brand new. Yeah. And you've got to understand, man, these kids are brand new. To working. To working. To I started working. and I started, <laughs> I started bumping around the place when I was 12 years old. Yeah. You know, uh, it was, you know, 12-year-old me, hey, Dad, I want to go buy a video game. Cool. I'm going to wake you up at 5 a.m. and you're going to come to the restaurant and you're going to scrub every single chair from top to bottom for six hours. You know, um, and then I'm going to pay you, you know, 20 bucks or whatever, whatever pathetic amount of money he gave me. (laughs) Um, But 
so you you I was I sort of grew up in it, so I got to kind of sit back at a young age and watch the dynamic, watch the way things went down. But here, a lot of times now, you get or you have to be sixteen to work at Lansky's because anything younger is, I mean, it just the laws get so intricate and and it just gets to the point where it's like, oh, it's not worth it. Um, but a lot of these sixteen year olds never had a job. They're used to school where it's, okay, it's time to do this. Okay, it's time to do that. Okay, it's time to do this. Whereas us, it's like, all right, here, you're going to make all this food. You're going to fill everything. You're going to flip everything. You're going to shut the station down. You're going to go over there. You're going to finish that job, finish that job, finish that job, finish that job. And you get all this stuff done. And by the way, we close at 9 o'clock. I'll see you at 830. And they need to figure out how to get this stuff done. They've never been thrust into a situation like that That in their entire life. That type of time management, especially... I mean, when you're dealing with rushes, like oh, your ability man. to operate under pressure. Yeah, and and that's the other thing too. Our ticket average right now is probably twenty twenty one dollars on a busy Friday night. We're doing a thousand dollars in an hour, so you it's know, a lot, it's a lot of orders coming in at a very rapid pace. Yeah, it's fifty meals an hour. Exactly. Fifty, no, well, not fifty meals. That's fifty tickets. It's fifty checks an hour. So you're talking about. You're talking about a table a minute almost, you know, what maybe a table every minute, five or 10 seconds, but a table a minute is what you're pumping out of that kitchen. Um, that's a lot of food to come out that fast. And to keep it at the correct quality. Right. And, because know. we are, we are a quick service restaurant. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not fast food. I, I we're love not, the balance. Yeah. It's so we're not, we're not fast food, but we're not a sit down waiter waitress style either we're an order at the counter you take your number and we bring your food to you the rest of it's sort of self-serve um open kitchen so you can see in the kitchen and you can see the absolute madness that goes on into putting food together because if you've never seen an open kitchen or a kitchen that's really pumping along it it is controlled chaos there's people bumping into each other i mean it just uh uh and and it hits the fan every once in a while, and things just go wrong. I mean, uh, just a couple weeks ago, we had one of the busiest afternoons we've had in weeks. I don't know what was going on, but everyone wanted Lansky's. Well, this was a day I had a sick employee, and I thought to myself, it's Tuesday. We're probably not going to need you. Go ahead and take the day right. off, you know, because Tuesdays are usually slow. Well, not this particular Tuesday. So um, where I needed six people, I probably had four my bread slide in my in my bun toaster got stuck. I went to go adjust it. It slipped and it cut the entire pad of my thumb wide open. Um, and I had I I had probably twenty six sandwiches all cooking at the same time while this is going on. And so I I ran over to the sink, put some stop bleed on it, ran a spot of super glue over the top of it, put a band aid on, a couple of pieces of gauze and a finger cut, and got right back at it. Clean it up, seal it up, and worry about it later. Um, we have we have things happening right but now. That's, we have we have a mission to. That's accomplish. the kind of things that can go wrong in a kitchen. So in a second, yeah, and just if something as innocuous as trying to adjust a bread slide so the bread doesn't jam up in the bun toaster. I don't think anyone's ever cut their finger on the stupid bread slide. But here I am, you know, literally blood running down my arm. I had to throw food away. I had to throw bread away because I got blood on bread. I had to throw a bunch of stuff away. I've got to stop everything I'm doing, sanitize, bleach, go through the whole process. Yeah. And I ended up throwing away about 10 meals because they burned. I mean, they, yeah. just, they just got to the point where they were unservable. So, um, But in the meantime, the orders never stopped. So I had to figure out how I'm going to catch up all this food 
while while still going while shorthanded in the yes. meantime. Um, but the people in the dining room, they don't care. They got to get back to work. I mean, lunchtime, they got to get back to work. So, um, so it is, it's a controlled chaos and that's where good people delegation, trying to teach people how to do things. If, if you fear losing your job in this and in, in, you're never going to get anywhere with people, you've got to train people to do what you're going to, what you can do. Um, so at least they have some working knowledge of knowing how this is done. Um, or else you're never going to go on vacation. You're never going to do kids' soccer games. You're never going to you're going to do any of that stuff because you're going to you're going to have trained yourself right into a corner where it's you and only you. Um, and then, one of the cool parts about like I'm reflecting at this whole time I'm having like flashbacks to my days in the kitchen and thinking about employees for like as a 16 year old kid because I'm pretty sure that's exactly when I started. Um, the the significance that that has. So I never I'd worked, you know, I'd delivered papers, I'd odd jobs, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. but nothing like you're showing up at this particular time. You're relied upon to do these things, and then you're getting trained. And I was I was blessed when I was working there to have people that were that were good, kind, and hilarious. Yeah, know, to really you know foster me into the workplace. So it didn't feel like work it just was like we're doing things like we're we're making some right food right you know and it was and it was fun it was a good time well and that's there's the key word is fun i I don't think anyone wakes up in the morning and goes yes let's go to work yeah you know there's always things you'd rather be doing i'd rather be fishing i'd rather be hanging out with my kid i'd rather be doing a hundred other things than going to work but if you can make work suck as little as possible and let people have a little bit of fun you'll probably retain them Absolutely. Well, and one of the things that was so significant for me there was I had no concept of the value of my labor, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I got hired. That was the win, right? Right. So like, whenever I'm getting paid from there, I'm like, cool. Apparently, like, I can get this much an hour. That's awesome. Right. And so I'm just there just learning, just being trained, eventually, you know, operating finally on my own, able to open things up, Mm -hmm. shut things, close it down for the night, clean up, help everybody out very familiar with the restaurant and loved it mm-hmm. and all of the, there was one day I remember I think it was Jenny I think that she was the manager at the time mm-hmm. whoever it was she came up and she was like hey so um, you're, you're gonna get a raise like we're bumping you up and it was like something so minuscule and insignificant like when you think about just like pay right. and the impact it was like 15 25 cents something like that right. and I was like that was like the biggest deal right. in the world right. I'm like I didn't, I wouldn't, it didn't even come into my head as an option that like you could ask for raises. And so like, I'm like, I work here, I make this much money. Right. You know? And so that will be, you know, for eternity. And it's, but that impact that you have like, like, oh my gosh, like I, I, my work is being viewed from outside people and I'm being validated in the effort that I'm putting in. And then how much more buy-in do I have to this family now? Right. Well, and I think, honestly, too, I think something that gets extremely overlooked by a lot of people that run a lot of things is the power of the word thank you. Two words. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, how, you know, when someone does a good job, walk up to them, pat them on the back and be like, just tell them, hey, man, you did great. Really appreciate that. It's huge. And I think it gets 
you know, it's worth it's worth more than the raise. Yeah, you know? and I, and and yes, you want it. Why are we at work? We're at work to We're make to money. money. Duh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you got to pay people what they and in relation. To the, well, the, there's 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 a tug of war there because yeah. do I want to pay everyone more? No, because not everyone deserves it. Exactly. With that said, do I want to pay certain people a whole lot more? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the problem is, is I can't pay those certain people a whole lot more because I still have to pay everyone else. Mm-hmm. So payroll has to be met top to bottom. There's got to be a balance there. Um, but sometimes just telling somebody thank you is is oh, and it's it's, it's very important to them. It's their it's that recognition. It's like yeah. it's like having a child. You know, when your child walks for the first time or or does something the first time the first thing they do is they turn and they look right at mom and dad yep. they're and looking they for validation. that validation they yep. want that that pride they want that proud they want that that and as stupid as it sounds that never goes away it's just where you're where are you searching for it from what um, authority are you put are you placing there to that actually when you get validation from them gives yeah. you that feeling this is something i think about i'm 34 years old I'm 34 years old. I'm stepping, you know, I'm, I'm stepping into ownership, right? I mean, I've been stepping into ownership for years now. Um, my dad's 76. You know, but that's quite a bit older than me. Yeah. You know, my whole working life, I've gone to work for the pay and everything, but it makes me feel the best when my dad looks at me and goes, hey, you've done a really good job at the place. We're doing good. It's amazing. At some point, I'm going to lose that. So I'm going to have to take comfort in the fact that my kid will never thank me for doing the job I've done. Yes. But I know he is thankful kind mm-hmm. of thing. But I'm never going to get that validation, I don't think. Not verbal. I mean, I may when he understands yeah. in 15 years or however. I mean, well, he's I mean, three. When, when, so it's going to be a long time before he, you know. Yeah. It didn't click for me until I had a kid. I mean, I had a kid and I immediately went on an apology tour to my parents. I was like, I am so <laughs> sorry. Exactly oh, my gosh. It's so real. I didn't it's realize so the crap he went through. Yeah. And then I put you through right that's that's what i mean yeah <laughs> exactly. like like all those gray hairs yeah i'm mm-hmm. sorry about that, that one um, was mine. <laughs> you know i apologize uh all those wrinkles are my fault uh but you know i think people want to be recognized for their hard work they want to be told when they're doing a good job mm-hmm. um and they don't want to be just constantly barked at yeah you know let people work let them uh, they'll figure it out and sometimes you got to let people fail yeah. Oh my God! You gotta let you gotta let them fail. You gotta let them take their lumps. You gotta, um, you know. I guess the only the only the one I keep going back to. I'm pick on the poor guys. Ryan again when he's doing the order. He there was some item. I don't remember what the item was. It wasn't a mission critical item. It was a low use item, and I I knew he was going to run out. And he said, "Should I order this?" And I said, "I don't know." And he goes, "Well, I'm not going to order it then." And I just went, "Okay." I let him make his mistake. I think that's important. You know, so he made his mistake. The very next day he comes into work and he looks at me and he goes, oh man, I screwed up. We, we really need those napkins or whatever. It was yeah. some little minuscule item that I knew mm-hmm. we had a two or three day cushion on, but we were going to run out before the next truck. Were we going to run out? No, I was watching it, but I'm waiting for him to realize his own mistake. Uh, he doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't make that same mistake. Exactly. And so... You can't save everyone from every mistake. Well, um, and saving them from the mistakes can be definitely. counterproductive exactly. to you know establishing somebody who's able to operate more freely and on their own. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, the amount of mistakes I made 
Look, I uh, like I was saying earlier, I was 21, 22, whatever, way too young to be running a million dollar a year restaurant. I don't know what the hell my dad was thinking, but you know, things weren't going the way um, the way they should. I think you were there when all this was going on, and all of a sudden, here I am coming yeah. from Bellevue, and yes. bam, I am your guys' boss. And hi, my name's Chris. I just came from another store. I don't know any of you, and I'm now your boss, and I look like I'm your age. Yeah. Um, you know, I had no formal training on how to manage anything. I, what was going on like in your head? Like, I was drinking you, from a fire hose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's literally what it was like. Um, but this was after months of me pounding the table at my parents' house going, I can do this better than them. I can do this better than that person um, whose names we will, we will keep out of conversation. Sure, of course. <laughs> um, but, you know, then my dad said to me, he goes, all right, well, meet me in the office. You know, well, I got shipped away to a different store because... Um, I don't think he realized the gravity of the situation. So I finally said, move me or I leave the company. Cause, and I don't want to do, I don't do the ultimatums and yeah. which response I got from him was you don't give the ultimatums. That's my job. And that was the end of the conversation. In other words, know your, know your role and stay in your lane. I'm the boss and you don't, who are you Yeah, kind of thing. So he decided to move me down to Bellevue. And then about a month later, he moved me back to that location and, he said, well, well, we'll just have a conversation before you start managing. And I said, okay, sure. So he sat, he sat me down at his desk and he said, the decisions you make in this restaurant will affect both other restaurants. And I went, okay. And he said, people feed their families with the money that's made here. And the decisions you make will affect their income and their livelihood for years to come. And I went, okay. And then he turned back to his computer and continued to do whatever he was going to do for about 10 seconds. And then he turned back and he looked at me and he goes, what the hell are you still doing in my office? You have a big job to figure out. And that was my training to management. And I look back on when I was a 23, 24 year old manager and I'm like, how the hell are we still in business? Because of some of the decisions I made were so poor and so bad. And I look back on them now and it's, I've had embarrassments in front of customers and just, I mean, I've been mortified before standing in front of that and in the, in multiple locations of some of the things that have gone on, but you learn from them and you try and constantly get better. Um, you know, I'm a better business owner and manager than I was yesterday and the day before that and the day before that and the day before that, because yeah, things can go wrong and things will happen. But if you don't learn from those things, that's the biggest mistake you'll ever make. You no, know, the growth can be exponential if you're if you're allowing it to happen. Right. And, and it wasn't allowing. Well, I guess it was your dad was allowing it to happen for you. Oh, he let me make mistakes. Exactly. And I mean, he he let me make some big mistakes, and he let me and my attitude chase out some really good employees and really good workers, just because I wanted to beat my chest and be the biggest, baddest SOB on the block. And because that's kind of what you have to do to run a restaurant. Well, and especially at that age. Uh, well, like you said yeah. when you're going in and you're trying to establish. Well, and you know me, form. I've got a baby face. Yeah. So yes. at 22, I look like I was about 17. Yep. I mean, people would walk up and go, I need to talk to the manager. And I'd say, well, I am the manager. And they'd start looking past me for yes. somebody that looks older than me. Because they're like, there's no way this child is running this restaurant. Right. Um, so yeah, I had to be, not to mention, I'm the owner's kid. And I'm, I'm out to prove that I belong here. Exactly. I'm, I'm not here just because dad owns the restaurant. Right. You know, I worked my butt off to get in this position. Um, which most, nobody there now knows. The old, old school people, you and, yeah. and, and Pat and some of the really old school people, they know. They watched it 
go on and they watch me take some serious lumps in the place. But the people now, they have no clue. I have no idea. They think I just walked in and I'm, well, I'm part of the family, so here you go. Here's a restaurant, kid, and hope we don't screw it up. Sure. Good job, you know, and that's not really the way it goes. No. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's just about daily growth. How can you get better? And when things go wrong and things go – things have gone so wrong, I've had to close. I've had to look at customers in line and say, we're done serving food. I can't go on anymore. We're done. I'm sorry. That is – so embarrassing. Yeah. And there's a lot of people in this town that know my family is attached to Lansky's. Mm-hmm. That makes me look bad. Look bad. It makes my family look bad. But it was the decision that was necessary at the moment because we're accomplishing nothing. We're just making more and more and more people angry. Yeah. And I had to stand up in front of 30 people and say, we're done. Everyone has got to go. We're closed. We have we have failed. We have completely failed. Yeah, We're, it's it's completely out of control. Yeah. Now I wasn't there for the lead up. I got the call in right. of get your butt here now. Things aren't going right. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Well, it's a, it's a tough call to make. Oh you know, yeah, like, yeah. And when when do you make that decision to, you know, just jump into the fire, you know, and and dig your way out? To that the stuck like, with me for days. It yeah. was really hard to find the motivation to. I know this sounds stupid, but it's hard to find the motivation to, to continue on after that because that is so embarrassing. This is your livelihood. This is what you do, yep. and you have completely failed to the point where you had to wave the white flag in front of people. Yeah, and quit is not in in my nature. I don't quit. That's not something I do. And um, so you know, oh, you know, while you're licking your wounds and you're wondering what the hell happened. I think you need to take a step back and go, okay, what happened happened. Where's the lesson to be learned? Exactly. You know, uh, you know, there's somewhere in there, there's a lesson to be learned. Is it embarrassing? Yes. Is it frustrating? Yes. Um, and I'm sure those same people that I had to look at and go, we screwed up, we're closed, that's it, we're done, blah, 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 have probably walked right back into that location and seen me there. It's very likely. It's you know Almost the communities certain. are only so big, <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, I, I, you know, I think you know you learn from that mistake. Okay, how can we not let this happen again? You know, how do we not make the same mistake twice? Uh, uh, and if we are going to make a mistake, how do we not let it get to that point? Right. How do we recover? So you know? it was okay. Sit down with the managers. Sit down with the supervisors yeah. and come up with a new way of doing things. And and. You've got to get comfortable with that self-analyzation and that that knowing, okay, I've really screwed up here. I really screwed this up. and But now I have to revisit it in my head over and over and over and over and over to analyze the situation. Um, it's like, a, one, it's one, like a messy breakup. Yeah. You, you don't really want to think about it, so you just sort of go, okay, well, it's done. I'm, I'm done with it. It doesn't work like that in business. You had a complete meltdown. And so, okay, now you recycle the thoughts through your head. And where did we go wrong? And what's well, that? shoot. Think what about could it. I have done? What yeah. could I have? Could I have? Could Absolutely. I have? Could I have done something different when I walked in the place? Yeah. I, 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 I took a particular path. What what difference could I have made if I went somewhere else? I mean, what, I mean, you could take that back straight back to the relationship, though. Imagine somebody letting that go. Yeah. Somebody like having a, a miserable relationship. It finally ends. It's messy. And then... They, Where they completely forget and, yeah. and just blow it out of their mind. I mean, it's a good principle for life of like 
taking these huge significant events, specifically the really bad ones, you know, those those significant emotional mm. events and turning them into teachable moments. Exactly. You know, it's almost like you can. I can forgive myself for letting the restaurant completely fail, but I can't forget it. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to learn the lesson. And I and the amount of embarrassment I felt in that moment. I mean, I I'm a grown man and I wanted to cry. Yeah. I was so embarrassed. And I don't Well, I think about it like I don't really cry that often. Yeah, so, no, you no. know, <laughs> um, I'm not a tearjerker yeah. and that was one of the most mortifying experiences I've ever been a part of. I mean, I, I, I had to call, and I. And the other thing too is I had to call my parents and tell them what happened. Yeah, which equally is mortifying. It, well, yeah, it's that harkens back to that. Hey, good job, kid. Pat you on the back. You know, you're you're trying to make your parents proud. You're trying to get that pride out of them, and you completely screwed up. Completely screwed up. Whether you're there or not, it. You know, when you're the boss, it's on you. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're sitting. Doesn't matter if you're 100 miles away or if you're two miles away. It's on you. You're the boss. Um, and then the phone call started. Over the course of the next four days, I'm getting phone call after phone call. We were in your restaurant on you know X night. We were in your restaurant on X night. We were in your, and that's yes, I know. Yes, I know. I'm sorry. I mean, I just. But I'll never forget the way I felt. In that moment. And so that is motivation to never let anything get to that point again. Yeah. Um, I kind of know what happened. So mm-hmm. so um, I had a couple conversations with people as to how they also let themselves get to the point where not even I could save them. I mean, the place was unrecoverable at that point. So then it's working with them. Okay, these are the things we need to do to never let this happen again. And you're going to make sure this goes right, you know, kind of thing. Um, and then the constant checkups, knowing who's, knowing strengths, knowing weaknesses. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it makes me it makes me think about like kind of the, the probably one of the least fun parts of the job is when you have somebody in that situation, they make some poor decisions, you talk to them about it, and you're like, let's not... Let's not make these decisions again. Let's do, and then they do something like that. Basically, the lead up to somebody getting fired. Yeah. Well, and like I say, you know, I don't, I don't actually, I don't, I don't fire people. They fire themselves. I just get to deliver the news at that point because I'm, I'm usually pretty lenient. You get multiple yeah. chances and all that kind of sure. stuff. Um, and and I and the thing too is is, uh, you know, it's like I tell I tell them I'm like don't do nothing. When the moment's crazy, do something. If you just stand there and let it crumble around you, that's the worst decision you can make. Doing something is doing better than nothing. If you do something and it's not quite the right decision, I can work on that. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do nothing, I then forget you. Yeah, I, I don't you, have time for that. If you, I, if you quit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Just throw, just, you can't just throw your hands up and go, I don't know. That's, that's unacceptable. That's mm-hmm. quitting. That's, we don't do that. Um, what kind of analysis do you have to take in before? I mean, there's there gets to a point when it, it kind of I guess it doesn't matter um, what the fallout of losing a person is because once they have proven themselves to be a net drag and no longer right. value to the business, like you have to cut that loose. Right. But as far as like when you're considering how many people you have to keep on um, versus like hiring new people and the time it takes to do that, like how do you kind of balance that out? Is that do you run into that uh, issue or do you? Oh, all the time. But uh, you shoot first and ask questions later. Um, 
Uh, well, I'm serious. Um, if somebody's dragging down your restaurant that hard, or I guess... And, and it, this doesn't happen overnight. No, you know? no, 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 no. Um, look, some people, some people are just bad apples. And you will get them in your place and you've got to get them out immediately. Those normally come and go really fast. And so it's like a bump in the road. And it's like, right. oh, hey, oh, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Okay, now it's a couple of days of recovery. Let's just get the shifts filled. They weren't really worth anything because they just started. Right. Um, you know, you get somebody in there that's harassing, sexually harassing, something that's just, nope, you got to go out. Yeah. You know, they normally show their colors pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, the really, the really kind of people you don't want around. Then you have the other scenarios where somebody's been around, they're established, they have defined work requirements that you've learned to lean on and all of a sudden they just people are weird man i, I people are very unsteady yeah. a lot of people are very, very unsteady true. and they're just trying to get to the next best thing and and you know i have a philosophy on the grass is greener on the other side which i'll keep to myself but um you know, I think if if somebody's that big of a big of a drain on the operation, you got to do what's right for the operation. You have to do what's right for the business at that moment. Period. And if that means you let them go, then you let them go. You get them out the door. You take a breath, and you go, "Okay, now what?" Yeah. But in my experience, you'll always be amazed by who will step up to bat in those moments when. When all your chips are down, it really is surprising who will step up to bat for you. So long as you've stepped up to bat for them, too. That is a two-way street. You, you essentially if you are a complete like a-hole yeah. all the time, <clears throat> and then all of a sudden you need a favor. Who's, yeah. who's showing up at your door? Yeah. Ain't going to work. Yeah, no, you have to have those those pathways kind of already paved. Right. Like, I've I've built this up to the point exactly. where, you know, I'm ollieing. Like, time for you to, you know, like like bring it in and help help me out. Yeah, help me out a and, little and bit. And people will be inspired to do so because, I mean, one, it's, it, there are multiple aspects to it, right? It's like, I want, I'm seeing that our team is hurting and like somebody's got to step up and and I can do that. Mm. And there's also like a personal gratification that's like, that's a big step for anybody to step into a position of leadership, even if it's unofficial. Right. You know? Well, and, and for instance, we had a, you know, we had a situation recently where um, I had a gal who had a sick kid on, it happened to be a Friday. Ooh. She works all day. She works open to close or 11 to close. Okay. Yeah. And I normally on Friday get to work around 530 or so because I want to get a jump on things. So I got to work at 530 that morning. I left work at close to four o'clock in the afternoon. It's a long day. And I and I didn't sit down all day. It's Friday. There, no, I ain't got there, time. There is no. Sleep. I ain't got time to sit down. This was a restaurant. Yeah, a successful yeah. restaurant. So I don't have time to sit down. Look, my day off is Sunday, so I'm making that final push. Yeah. You know. Yes, it hurts. Yes, I'm tired. Yes. Okay. It's been a long week. Whatever. Nobody cares. There's a job to do. So I worked my ten and a half or whatever the heck it was, and and it was a longer than usual day. And I I I got home with my kid and my wife and it was nice and I was just starting to kick my feet up and then I got the text message I think my kid needs to go to the emergency room is there any way you can come in for me tonight I mean this is one of my best supervisors she never misses anything right my auto response was yes I'll be there what time do you need me what time do you need to go and she said probably around 637 so I said alright I'll be there so I showed up you know came right back to work did I want to be there heck no you know but 
it, it wasn't long after that I had I had an employee randomly change their schedule and decided they just couldn't show up for a couple shifts and I had another employee up and quit. The same gal who already works a lot covered a lot of those shifts and made sure that, you know, I didn't have to bend over backwards to get the schedule covered. You know, she split it up with a couple of the other high paid people. I mean, the highest paid people who want to work obviously soaked up all the hours, which cost me an arm and a leg. <laughs> but, but you know, that's where that give and take is. That's where these people are human. They have families. And I hope, I really hope that if I walked into work one day and I looked at my employees and I said, my kid is super sick. I need to get into the emergency room. Can someone please work my shift? They would say yes. Right. Because you're going to need that at some point. I mean, when you're stepping up and taking the action to do that builds that environment. Right. And I'm and and like we were talking before we got started, I'm not a machine. I've got a bad back. I have mm-hmm. things that that pop up, and sometimes I cannot stand up all day. Yeah. So I go in, I'll do my morning thing, and I'll get somebody to come in and work for me because I need to get off my back. I can't stand up. I can't stand up straight. Um. And and so they're willing to come in and help you out in moments like that because you're mm-hmm. willing to come in and help them out when they need the help. So it's that. It it's that that give and take that you've, you've got to be a little bit of an authoritarian, but at the same time, you're all kind of in it together and your employees are absolutely your pulse. If they're not happy at work, that's going to come across the counter, which is going to then affect your business, which is then going to affect you and your bottom line. And before you know it, you know, the the toilet bowl circle is starting and and there's a point where those spins become unrecoverable. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and so, how do you keep your people happy without letting them run roughshod over you while holding a standard while while letting them have their life and you can have your life? How do you balance all that out? I don't really know the answer to that question. You just well, kind of do. It's because I think it's – I mean you, you're right. You just do and, and that's the that's the good way to put it. I, I think about that in the aspect of like you're dealing with individuals. Right. Like you said you're not dealing with robots and you're not dealing with restaurant employees. You're dealing with John and Jesse, yeah, yeah, you know, like and yeah. each of them, like it's the line for that is going to be fluid. It's right. like I'm going to ebb and flow right. as I need to, to, to meet the needs of them, but then also to hold them accountable. Cause I think people actually want to be held accountable. Oh yeah. 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 People love discipline they as do. much as they don't think they do. They do it, it feels so good. They're happier when, yeah. when a place is disciplined and has rules and people are held to those policies People are happier. They, mm-hmm. You, you kind of let people do whatever they want. For one, they're going to take full advantage of you. And for two, you're going to have your people that always work hard because they're hard workers. Yeah. And then you have your people that are only going to work hard because you make them. Yeah. Well, if you don't make them do it, they're, they're not going to work as hard. And the hard worker is going to be looking down at the not-so-hard worker going, well, what the hell am I working so hard for? Mm-hmm. Now you have a morale problem. And you want to ruin your business? Let, foster let, foster a morale problem yeah trust well, and that's and that's part I've of keeping it. those people around keeping those uh, the way that i always viewed it is those employees that you may be uh, fearful of letting mm. go because they've become an integral part of your operation you keep those people around yeah they're able to perform those functions but, but they're toxic they, they become cancerous yes exactly. exactly and then the thing is that can spread they, oh, can, it, they it, can infect the other employees oh, it, uh 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 <clears throat> Ugliness spreads much faster than beauty. Yes. And it's much easier to perpetuate through people. 
and and I think that's where as a as an owner, manager, operator, whatever whatever your job is, where you have people working with you for you, however you want to put it. You know, if those people are going to drag the operation down, they're now affecting the lives of everybody. And not to mention, I, I've got a three-year-old at home. I've got to be able to come home, look my kid in the eye, and know beyond the shadow of a doubt, I gave that kid everything I had today at work. Um, is it glamorous? No. Am I running out on a football field with 90,000 people cheering me on? No, it's not glamorous. It's dirty. It's grungy. It's gross. It's hard work. It's hot. You know, or cold if you're standing in the freezer putting away 400 pounds of stuff. <laughs> Very true. It's it's everything but glamorous. But you know, I know I'm doing what's best for my kid, and if that means making a hard decision, then that's making the hard decision. And I I honestly think that what holds most people back in business is their unwillingness to make the tough choices. It's like people don't want. It's like. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to. Uh, it's just like you said. You've got to be make a decision. Yeah, it could be the wrong decision or the right. It could one. be the right decision. And I've and I've let people go. And looking back on it, I'm like, oh, that was really dumb. You know, <laughs> like I, I probably should have just I should just found common ground with them instead of yeah. stood my ground. I, mm-hmm. I should have just been like, all right, fine, fine, do it, do it, do it, do it. Stay employed. Just okay, fine. Not that big a deal. Yeah. So, you know, over the years I've adopted a policy and that says uh, if it's still going to piss me off in three months, then I'm going to worry about it. If it's not, I'm not going to worry about it. That's a fair way to look you at know, it. That's pretty smart. It's, it's forcing perspective yeah, into it. I look at it and I go, okay, long-term, big picture. Mm-hmm. How important is this really? Yeah. This one little thing. Why is why is this becoming a big deal to me right now? Is it really that big of a deal? Yeah. Is it that significant? Exactly. And you're going to have days where things just, you know, yeah. it's it's like, you know... I don't know how to describe it. You know, it's like it's like the it's like having like a sore toe. You know, the first two or three times you bump it, you're like, "Oh man, this really sucks." Uh, the fourth time you bump it, you're like, "Why?" And you just fly <laughs> yes. off the handle. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, if you think of those bumps as people, you got person one does it, kind of frustrates you. Person two mm-hmm. does it, kind of frustrates you. Person three does it, kind of frustrates you. Person four, you come in and you absolutely rip their freaking head off. Yeah. That's not really fair to person four because yeah. person four is going to go, well, wait, I'm just doing whatever, what, what person one, two, and three did. Why am I getting like, yeah. whoa, okay, uh, um, well, uh, now you're a loose cannon. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not really good either. So Yeah, no, there's got to be, uh, as seen from the, the general employee perspective, having a sense of consistency, yeah. you know, an emotional consistency. Yeah. Is huge. Well, and you know me. If I, I mean, don't know what you're going to act like when you come in. Like, oh, Chris right. is in like. Is, and oh, I've is he in worked, a good mood? Is he in a bad mood? I've worked for people like that. Yeah. And it is one hour. It is one way. And the next, like, you're getting berated. Right. And then the next hour, they come up and pat you on the back. Like, hey, man, how's it going? Like, I don't know what to do right now. Right. I don't know how to operate in this space. Yeah. Well, it's and you know, hard. And, and you know me and you know my dad. You know my dad is one of the most stoic individuals you will ever Truly. come across. I Truly. mean. Truly. A bomb could go off next to the man, and he'd go, "Okay, what we need to do is all head for the door and go out there." And you're like, "Well, a bomb just went off," you know. Yeah. And he'll just tell you, "Okay, step one, step two, step three, step mm-hmm. four. It's like if something's going to go wrong in the world, that's the man you want next to you, truly, because he's just going to—he's going to be gonna stop, think his way through it, and you're going to get out safe." Yeah, I'm a little bit of a fireball. Yeah, and and so you know, and I and I know that I'm a fireball. I know my temper gets the best of me. And so it's, I've 
I try to be more like my dad to a degree. Now, I'm, I'm also a firm believer in everyone's, and I don't care what the quality is, everyone's best quality is also their worst quality. And I'm a firm believer in that statement. It's, it's like people who are nice. That's their best quality because everybody, you know, everyone's like, oh my gosh, they're so nice and people will gravitate towards you. But also you're so nice that people are going to walk all over you. Yeah. Those people will walk all over mm-hmm. you. Your, your strength. So it's, it's your strength sure. and your weakness sure. at the same time. I get it. Mine is probably, I would have to say, I don't know, you, my wife could probably give you a better, a better beat on this. But I would say it's my, my, my desire to, to do things independently yeah. and, and to, to be on my own. Yeah. I, will, I will shove everyone away and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And, I, and if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I'll bully myself right into it if I have to. <laughs> That's a good quality for me, that, that bullheadedness, that head down, I can do anything and I can get any amount of work done no matter what. But it's my worst quality because it's backed me into some corners where all of a sudden I can't get to everything and it creates a lot of turmoil. That bullheadedness creates a lot of turmoil. I mean, it creates turmoil in my personal life, creates turmoil in my professional life because when I decide something's going to be this way, it's going to be that way no matter what. Good and bad, because yeah. there's certain things you want to be like that on, and then there's certain things that you don't. You, you want to let go. You're losing that flexibility. Yeah, yeah. you want to let go. Um, you know, and I and, and my dad's his laid back, stoic nature serves him so well. But at the same time, I've watched people take full advantage of it, mm-hmm. and I've had to go to him and like grab him by the face and be like, "They are taking advantage of you. You need to stop." Yeah. And and step up and and you know cut them off. Down. You know, cut them yeah. off. Do whatever it is you need to do. Yeah. Fire them if you need yeah. to. Um, that's kind of how I became manager. Was looking at him, going, "This person is taking advantage of you, and they're tanking your company in the process." But you're so thought out and so stoic, you're not jumping. And it's you, there's no reason it's, to it's wait time, anymore. It's time to pull it's the trigger. Act. Yeah, sure. You know, it's the time for thinking's over with. Yeah. So, um, and me, I need to remember, stop, think, think your way through it. Right. And, and it's not sometimes the best thing to do is take a step back, take a step back. Don't make the decision right away. Take a moment, just take a step back, remove yourself from the situation. And, and I think that's a, that's a big, big deal. Sleep on it. If it doesn't, decision doesn't need to be made right now. Look, if, 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 if Joe Schmo is on the cusp of getting fired, at five, if his shifts ends on a Saturday at five p.m. and Saturday at four fifty nine, you're looking at him going, "I'm going to fire him." This dude's got to come in. Blah 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 blah. And his next shift doesn't start till eleven a.m. on the next day. Whether you fire him on the spot or you fire him at nine a.m., ten, ten thirty a.m. the next day, it doesn't matter. He's not going to work. Yeah, you'd probably best to go home and sleep on it. Use that at time. At least get your emotions under control, and and so you can come with that calm stoic steady nature mm-hmm. because you've got to have it so so using i, I want to be sensitive to your time i know we're running like 15 minutes beyond where our our heart out was it's all good <laughs> um get like still like 10 15 more minutes we'll be good uh so looking forward when you're when you're taking everything into perspective of how the business is right now and you know, you have you have your employees. You have three locations. Yes, is that correct? Okay, mm-hmm. so you have three locations. What does the next 
five or ten years look like? I mean, for you in the business and then just for, you know, the Hoffman family? Mm, that's a good question because I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Um, we want to try some new operations. Sure. Uh, we want to try and grow. Um, Lansky's as it stands now is fine. It does good, but it's big. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do. Um, there's a lot of moving parts. It's hard to train people. And I imagine that the idea of opening up a fourth restaurant is, I mean, that's... It hurts to think about. They're huge. Yeah, they're also huge places. Well, our most recent locations was three quarters of a million dollars to open. I mean, you're talking a lot of money. I mean, you you start talking about... I mean, three, four hundred thousand is nothing to open a restaurant. I mean, that's, you know, okay, three hundred grand, cool. Yeah, great. Oh, sure. Okay, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Um, there's a reason why people lean towards franchises. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's you get started Jimmy John's for 100k. Right. You know. Right. And you're pretty much guaranteed to make some cash. Exactly. Pretty much. Um, unless you run it right in the ground, which you can do. You can do. It's, it's an option. You can do because not everyone is meant to not yeah. everyone's meant to own a business. That's very true. Um that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh right now we don't have any bank loans, which is great. That's amazing. We don't owe money to a bank, which is really, really nice. We also don't have three quarters of a million dollars laying around. So just just to throw in Yeah, to a, yeah, yeah. Just sure. to you know, hey, let's just go, you know, let's just go pop up another restaurant, you know, and it's up. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Right. So um you know, can you can you find can you find a good location that's a failed idea maybe? that is already built out for a restaurant. Yeah, maybe, but you better know why they closed. Cause if it's location, you don't need to go there obviously. Yeah. So you need some, some sort of information on what went wrong. Right. I mean, people, sometimes people just don't want to do it anymore. They just, I'm done. Yeah. And they just get done. I mean, there's, there's some old Omaha staple places around town that are closing just cause the families are like, we're done. We're we're done. We, we did it. We we're did it. Done. We're fine. There's no one that for us to hand it off to. Yeah. And we're just going to close. Yeah. So it's not necessarily always a bad reason that a restaurant sure. closes. Um, so that's a way to save some money. Um, and then Lansky's as of now has some items that every time, every time we hit the register button for that item, we actually lose money on. Wow. Um, but those items, and I'm not even not even gonna start naming those. Yeah, items. right. Um, so People the customers getting, yeah, I know. <laughs> the customers getting a hell of a deal on it, but those items are something that you know. When I was sitting down building the menu out, I thought to myself, well, if they order that, they're probably coming in with a group of people and probably going to order a couple giant pizzas too. Okay, so I can afford to break even or lose a buck. On this item, knowing that these other couple items they're about to buy, I'm going to make that ground back up. Right. Okay, yeah, I'm going to make a dollar less on that pizza than I normally would. But, okay, I'm going to get to the end of the week. I'm not going to go, oh, man, that one buck. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, I don't don't know that I can structure everything that way because Mm -hmm. I would want to bring the operation down a little bit and skinny it down and just try something different. Um, but use Lansky's trade, not trade, yeah, trade name, but use the name recognition of Lansky's as sort of that hit point, you yeah. know, like, oh, hey, I've heard of that. I'm going to try it. Oh, oh, look, weird, Lansky's. I didn't know they did 
I didn't know they had TVs and, and 40 beers on tap. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to go try that. That's you know, a thing see, that Yeah. Like, yeah. Is, this, is this the same landscape? Yeah. And so, so yeah. can you... Can you um, can you diversify your restaurant? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, is there a limitation? Is but, there, you know, is but it, it, somebody's got to try it first, right? Yeah. I, hell, it might as well be me. I mean, um, so that's that plan, um, you know, and then. I guess my wife's plan is probably just talking me off the ledge twice a year that she has to do. It's a good thing that she's around. Yeah. Um, honestly, I, to be to be perfectly honest with you, if, if I didn't have a family, I probably wouldn't do this. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be worth it. Why? why? The stress and everything is just uh, yeah, just really why? high. I mean, yeah. what's the point? What, for me... I come from an extremely small family. I got a half brother, half sister. I'm an only child from my mom and my dad. My dad has two kids on from a previous marriage and stuff, but they're not involved in the restaurant industry. Right. Um, so, you know, if I didn't have a kid that I wanted to provide it, uh, as good of a life for as possible, or, um, you know, we made the choice for my wife to be a stay-at-home mom because daycare is insanely expensive. Yeah, and, yeah it is. And, uh <laughs> We did some math, and her paychecks were basically going to go straight to daycare. So, oh, we so thought, you're, you're working to pay for daycare. Yeah. yeah. Well, she would have been. No, so, that's what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, that's dumb. Yeah. We might as well raise our own kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so we said, okay, you'd be, you, you'd be a stay-at-home mom, um, which came with some sacrifice. I mean, we had to readjust the way we live a little bit. Sure. Uh, you know, because that made us a lot tighter on cash, plus the expense of having a freaking child grow, you know, running around. I mean, I've got a three-year-old boy who's like a hoover when he's around any sort of food. <laughs> Um, but I probably wouldn't be working this hard if I didn't have a family to try and support. There would be no reason. I don't, I don't feel the need to make, you know, large amounts of money for just myself so I can retire one day and have no one hand a bunch of money off to. Yeah. whoop de do. Um, so I think my family has given me my motivation to, to buckle down, work hard and really create something here. Um, cause it is hard. It's hard to do. And, I would say once every six months or so, I I come home with the, uh, you know, F this, F that. I'm not doing this anymore. I want a nine to five. I want to go to yep. work. I just want to go to work, do my job, and leave at the end of the day. I'm, you Grab know, my fishing poles. Yeah, and, and, you know, get get things like PTO, you know, or say like, hey, I'm going on vacation. And guess what? I'm going to turn my phone off. Yeah, that, I don't know what that feels like. Yeah. My phone is always, I mean, I'm sitting here having a conversation with you. My phone's on silent face up should yeah, something yes. happen. Yes. So, um you know, and, and I sometimes I wonder, like, man, is this really all worth it? Like, yeah, is can you make a lot of money in this industry? Yeah, can you be extremely successful? Yes. Does it come at a cost? You bet your ass it does. Yeah, I've any canceled form vacations. of professional success yeah. to that to the extent that Lansky's has achieved and and your family has achieved it, it doesn't come free. No, um, yeah, I've canceled vacations. I've missed weddings. I've done the amount of sacrifices. You know, uh, uh, you know, I don't go on fishing trips. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in life I don't do. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I get to come home. I get to look at my three year old and know I've made the right choice. I just got a roof over his head. He's got food on the table. He's going to go to a good school. You know, he gets to. Both of his vehicles that he drives around in are nice and safe. Right. 
Um, and me personally, I've got everything I could want and need. I don't, I'm like I said at the beginning, I'm a simple human being. I don't need a whole lot. So, um, I want something to pass on to my kid, not Lansky's. He needs, I was just thinking about that. I was like, I wonder, I think, I imagine Chris is like the football player who like hit it big and is, is crushing it in the NFL. And then they, he gets asked, you know, oh, do you want your son to, no, to be a football player? Like, no, keep them as far away as possible. Yeah, not at all. So, you, I, so if you're not... I think I'm pass just a for punishment at this point. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I There's something... And, and this is, you know, the restaurant industry, it's hard. It's tough. It's cutthroat. It's... it's all of that stuff, it, it can be a very unenjoyable way to make a living sometimes, but man, I love it. I don't know what it is. I, I you know, I love the grind. I yeah. love, it's just going to sound so weird, but I love it when I hurt. I come home, I'm in pain. I know I've done something with my day. I know I'm trying to do something. And the other thing too is, is I know I'm trying to accomplish something that most people can't do. I get a little bit of a kick out of that. Absolutely. You know, um, and not or not necessarily can't do, but wouldn't want to do. I think a lot of people are perfectly capable of doing Absolutely. what I do. They just don't want to. No, no, bad no one's going to make the choice to stick with it to right. see it through to success. Right, you know, and people do. There are many successful restaurants, but you're in a small group. Yeah, you know. Oh, I think it's. I think um, ninety ninety six percent of of independents fail in their first two years or yep. something like. Or it's it's the number's staggering. It's it is. or it's like eighty five percent fail in their first two years and ninety nine percent fail in their first six or some it's an absolutely staggering number. And then you couple us with the fact that we're in Omaha, and I don't know if this is still true, but fairly recently Omaha had more restaurants per capita than any other city in the United States, and more independence per capita than any other city in the United States. So both. Wow. So you're talking about an extremely competitive market. Yeah. In a city that's, in a part of the country that's absolutely exploding. Yeah. I mean, you've been gone for a few years. I'm sure you come back and you're like, whoa, it's what a, happened? It's a different city. It looks different. Yeah. And there's nothing to stop it. No. There's no river to stop it. There's no ocean <laughs> to stop it. I, the city's going to eventually stop when it hits Lincoln and it's a new city. It's yeah. What's going to happen? Well, it seems like. Th- what cities do and what Omaha may be doing is, I mean, you continue, and especially, well, like you said, with no physical impediments in the way, like just pushing west and pushing yeah, west that's and expanding. All it's doing. And then it feels like, like I was actually able to go back downtown for the first time in the last several times that I've been here. Things have rolled away from downtown. Well, it seemed like it was nice, like it was nicer than I remembered it. Yeah. You know, like they had done, like they'd expanded so much and then they kind of like, well, what happened to the heart of the city? But have you noticed the yeah. foot, the traffic is down? Yeah, no. I mean, so I did go on like a Sunday, but yeah, it still was, though. Yeah, I mean, think of used to never be able to get around the old market. It's true. I there were no there was no problem parking. Right. There, you know, there was, the city's growing away from it. Yeah, and it's uh, so it's it is large. It is it's interesting because I'm in the Savannah area now. Right. And so I spend a lot of time in the city. And I'll talk to people like, "Oh, you're from Nebraska," like, and like, and then I have to let them know that you I ever been cow tipping. I don't know yeah. how to farm. I've yeah. never been on a farm, and I've never cow tipped. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So, um, and I'm like, actually, the city that I'm from is seven, eight times as big as Savannah is. Yeah. So and they're like, "What?" In Omaha, yeah. they're like, "You can't count the quarter of the state that you're in." I'm like, "No, no, no, the city, like, yeah. the city itself." And it's it's in land size, Omaha's 
huge oh, yeah. in land size. I mean, you. you but can, it's crazy because you can get around Omaha super easy. Well, like yeah, that. because we got to learn all the west or all the uh, east coast. Whoops, we shouldn't have done that. Whoops, we shouldn't have done that. So you've had yep. a city that's been able to. I'm living in it right now. <laughs> yeah. So you 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 and look, our streets are set up like a checkerboard. Yeah. So all your streets are straight. Very north, efficient. south, east, west. Yep. Um, and. I think also being in the center of the city, I mean, you've got I-80, I-480, I-680, I-29, 75. They all come together right here in Omaha. So you've got logistically i mean you look at all the look at all the freight that comes through omaha it's, yeah it's staggering when you and then you start thinking about like bnsf and union pacific and stuff the railroads um but you you start thinking about land size and i mean the town is huge it takes up a lot of space yeah it's and so yeah we don't have maybe the population of a chicago right but we also don't have the population density of a chicago yeah and We're I don't not think it ever. On yeah, top. it's we, not. It's not built that way. Right. We won't ever get that density. Yeah. So so now you you start thinking about okay, well, if I own a business, you you know, oh, I can put a location here, 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 there, there, west, north, east, south. One then it's crazy. Forty five minutes over there. Three thirty minutes over there. I mean, you can literally drive for forty five minutes and still freaking be in Omaha. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, and it's. I mean, but typically getting around is, is fat. Like I've gone from almost two hundredth back down downtown, and it's like half an hour. Right? Yeah, that's know? fast. And I'm, and I'm like, this is incredible. But they've been able to grow the infrastructure with. When the city I look at the highway, like they've so. bumped up the speed limits. Yep. They've expanded the roads, and Dodge now has an expressway at oh seventy miles an hour. That that's incredible. It's I haven't a, even been on there yet. I'm a, gonna check it out today. <laughs> well, I mean, you have a road. You have a road seventy feet above the original road. Wow! Yeah, I've well, never, I haven't even seen that. And it runs the same, the same, but it, it gets rid of the stoplights. Yeah. So the yeah. stoplights are on the ground level, and the the expressway, which is essentially an interstate, it's a yep. highway. Yeah. It's a city street highway, is above ground. It's just a giant freaking bridge, basically. Yeah. Um, so there's so many possibilities. Yeah, uh, and, but, but so so where do you go? Yeah. Well, where where do you adapt as a as a business owner and, and well and the demographics are so different. Oh God, yeah. Like, I mean, it's, you it's talk about like it's one city, but it is it is surprisingly diverse. What like the median income go. would be at yeah. like um, South Omaha versus like Gretna? Yeah, like all of those things, and they're not apart. that far apart. They're no. only about twenty five minutes apart. So um, Omaha's weird because it's very naturally segregated. Yeah. It's, it's, yes. It's. It's very segregated, whether that be by culture, whether it be by income, whether it be by whatever. Yeah. It's just I don't know. I grew up in a, in South Omaha, and it was a very it was it was I, I love that this happened to me. It's like the one racist experience that I've ever had as a as a white guy. You know, <laughs> like don't happen very often. Right. So I it's very uh, Mexican dominated oh, yeah. area right yeah. in South O. And so there's built you can drive down the street and not see anything in English. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. It's in, it's and and, and it, to the to that point, I remember I was walking to the grocery store, it was a couple of miles away from our house, and I was young, probably like eleven or twelve, and the some cops pulled up and they, there was a police station on the way. So yeah. it was very normal to see cops driving up and down right. the road, whatever. Um and so a cop comes and he pulls over and he hollers out from the car and I couldn't hear him and I was like, What? And he was like Oh, you speak English. Like, you said something in Spanish to me. He's like, you're good, man. Don't worry about it. And I was like, wait, 
double what? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> like, there were questions until yeah. I spoke English. Oh, now there sorry. are no more questions. Yeah. Oh, and the, the significance of that didn't dawn on me until I was much older. Right. I was just like, oh, I mean, I do tan dark. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah you've got that. But, I could uh, kind of see it, especially if somebody didn't get a good look at you. Yeah, but still, real young, yeah. Um, yeah, Omaha's... But it's a good city. No, it's, it's a it's, good it's place to be. So. It's amazing. I love it. I love coming back here. Um, so thinking about, like, if you are... If you had the chance and you had the ear of somebody that was, we can even say specifically Omaha, or you can generalize it to anywhere, um, at, with the experience that you have, somebody that's trying to break into industry, or someone that's even that's that is there currently and is struggling in like the restaurant what, industry, in the rest specifically in the restaurant industry, what kind of advice could you give them from your perspective, from all the experience that you've had? If they're struggling. Yeah. Or somebody that's starting up either way. Whatever. Pick, pick your poison. Who do you, who oh, do you want to give advice to? <laughs> you know, I think have, for one, your, have your vision. It's got to work. I mean, obviously, you, you, people have to be willing to come spend their money there. If it's the restaurant industry... I would say my my number one biggest thing is, is is don't don't cook stuff that people can easily make at home. That's, I mean, you know, you you start talking about making like meatloaf and mashed potatoes, and it's like yeah, I can make that at home in an oven. Like I don't why should I why, why should I pay you you know all this money for a plate worth when I can go home and make three dinners worth for the same money. Yeah. So so that's the first thing is is shy away from things. You can have items that you can make at home, but your feature items need to be stuff. Um, or pe- things that people can't do very well on their own. Like a lot of people aren't very good at like cooking expensive steaks. Yes. So you're going to go somewhere and buy an expensive steak because you know it's going to be cooked just the way you want. Or do things that people don't really do at home. That's why Philly steaks work well. Um, pizza yeah. works well. Even pasta. It surprises me the amount of people that come in just for pasta. It's like yeah. they don't want to mess with it at home, which is okay. That's uh, fine. Um, but have your vision... And, and and don't let people talk you out of it. Don't don't listen. Don't listen to the crowd. You know they're all going to know what's better for you, and, and your customers are going to know what you should do, and your employees are going to know what you should do different, and and you're going to get you're going to get more advice than you never asked to hear. And don't listen to them. Um, it's. It's your money on the line. It's your job. And it's like I tell my employees, I say, if 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 this is going to work, it's going to work my way. And if this is shimp is going to sink, it's going to sink my way, period. Um, and none of you are going to talk me out of it, just so we know where we all stand. It's who and how you choose to take advice is one of the most crucial parts about, especially if you're doing something for the first time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm getting some personal experience with that now. Yeah. Um, And it's it's kind of funny to see because I had this perspective going into it that if I'm going to take advice on from people on how to do things better and and whatever I'm doing, you know, um, I'm going to be looking at people that have already dominated in that industry. Exactly. And that's that's why I wanted to take the opportunity. And even them, if you try and carbon copy them, it's not going to work. You've got to be yourself. But the other thing is, 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 I mean, people are going to give you advice and stuff like that, but also 
be smart enough to to know what you don't know. Yes. Just it just it's okay not to know something. It, you know, I, look, I've I've been running these restaurants for you know whatever. I've mean, I've been involved in this business for whatever, and people still hit me with things where I go, "What is that? Or, what do you mean? Or, or how do you do X Y Z?" And uh, there's a lot of companies out there. Um, the two the two that I, I know will have recognition no matter who hears this is U.S. Foods and Cisco, Pegler Cisco. They have programs that if you're a customer of theirs, they will hook you up with people that can help you with this stuff. They'll help you build, um, you know, uh, P&L reports, your profit and loss reports. They'll help you build um, inventory control softwares. They'll help you identify what your food cost percentages should be. Um, you you can go to seminars and, and make sure you're legal on the hiring and the firing and and all that stuff and and you know use those people as you need. But as far as your vision and how your restaurant's going to run and how you're going to treat your customers and the way things are going to go, nobody's going to run your business the way you run it. It's like. It would be like lending your friend your car. Like, they can be your best friend in the world, and you can trust them implicitly, but they're not going to take care of your car the way you would take care of your car. It's the same thing with a business. Um, and other than that, don't fall in love with your own ideas. You, you've got to question everything you see. Don't fall in love with your ideas. You know, be pragmatic, be realistic with yourself, but stay the course, stay the course, stay the course, stay the course. Um, I think that's a really good nuanced way to look at it when you're talking about like have your vision and and don't let people talk you out of your vision. But at the same time, don't get so bogged down on the detailed ideas that you have. Like when I envisioned my restaurant, I saw this type of oven being on this corner over there. Right. And like my restaurant will have it like it's focus on the things that matter. Right. You know, if you, yeah, if, if you're in the restaurant industry and you look out in your dining room, just look at people's faces and you'll know if you're doing a good job or not. I think that helps to remind you to keep things in perspective of like, why are you doing what you're doing? Right. Like I'm your, you, that's one of the really cool things about the restaurant industry is that you get to see the fruit of your labor. Like one, as an employee cooking the food, like you make it and you're like, Oh, that's, you know when you made something you're like that was that one turned out really yeah, you know? yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you give it out and then somebody eats it and like you get to watch it especially from the open kitchen concept you know yeah you like, get to you see them enjoy the food and, and, and that like, kind of stuff oh wow this is going really well right you know? that's and that's the thing is people say to me all the time like oh you're in the restaurant business and, and oh you must love to cook <laughs> no <laughs> don't don't really love cooking it just happens to be what we do yeah um, I like being in charge yeah, I like I like running things. I I think I'm good under pressure. I think mm-hmm. I'm 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 good at that stuff. It's not. It's it's not about now. If you find your passion, that's great. As long as your passion can pay the bills. Yeah, um, find a way to monetize it. Yeah, <laughs> um, because I mean, hell, if I could get paid what I'm getting paid now to fish, forget it. Done. I'm done. <laughs> I'd be out in a heartbeat. You wouldn't. I wouldn't even think twice about it. Yeah. 
But that's not what's paying my bills right now. Yeah. Uh, fishing isn't going to pay my bills. Uh, so, so well, it's interesting though that you say that because I I bring up this kind of analogy somewhat frequently of just that you know people that um, well, I guess it's not really an analogy, but it's the way that I I parse out my audience. Like if you are the type of person who wants to go to work from nine to five and are you are content with that because you know that you're going to cut out at five. You're not going to work the weekends and you're going to have that time to go fishing. Like, listen, all the love, power, Stay respect there. to you. Do what you do and don't listen to my show because yeah. I'm not, I'm not for you. You yeah. know, I don't even have to tell you that because you didn't make it to the end of an episode because that's, right. that's not the message that it's being delivered. Don't do that. Yeah. If you're going to run something and you're going to, you're going to own it, you better be ready to marry it. Exactly. Cause you know, the moment the moment you become dis, dis disenchanted or disenfranchised, it's over with. And that's where I mean, look, I, and to be perfectly honest with you, if I told you I woke up every day like, "Yep, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life." I'm 34 years old, and I still go, "Oh my god, I need to be out of this. I need to go do something else." And my wife talks me out of it pretty often you know um she's looking out thank for the god. family looking out for the like yeah no, yeah thank god i don't get to make this uh, decision <laughs> yeah thank god i have her no but she she i mean she makes it really simple for me she says well what are you gonna go do what are you gonna go do it's a very simple great and question you know i go oh, i don't know something I'll figure you know, something what, what am i gonna go do so I, I sit and i think about it and i go Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go work nine to five for someone else and start at the bottom of the totem you pole. You would be the worst employee. I don't even know if you're employable. Yeah, probably not. Because <laughs> I, I would end up, I would end up saying something that would get me fired. I end up, I'd end up finding the laziest person and being like, "Dude, you're lazy, bro. Like, blah 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 blah. Like, why are you such a pile of crap? You know? Because that's that's my nature. But that's all I've, I'm programmed at this point yeah. to say. I, I'm sure I, I embarrass my wife it, yeah. at, at points, but I I say things to people that sometimes at the end of the day I'm like, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that, you know. And I mean, to random strangers, like I just that's the world I grew. The, the world I'm in is you got to be brutally honest. Yeah. And well, I you know I'm serving honesty in full platters here. <laughs> I'll tell you how I feel. But um, so with all that, I'll 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 wrap this up. Let's see if we can do this with one last question. Um, you, I think that you kind of answered it, but it, I'm curious with your, with where you're at with how you go back and forth with the businesses. How do you define success for yourself? Oh, are you happy? I'm. Yeah. And I would say, I would say, you know, nine days out of ten at work, I'm happy. Yeah. And there's days where I wake up and I'm like, oh, I don't really feel like going to work today. Normally, I'm like, okay, time to go to work. Here we go. We're off yeah. for the day. You know, love the grind. But sometimes the weather's kind of nice, and it's like, you know, I don't really feel like sitting in the kitchen today. I kind of like to be outside. You know, it's nice out. Um, but, you know, I just want to live comfortably. I don't want to be the next McDonald's. I don't, I don't really care if I – I don't really care if we ever become some huge franchise worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, I don't really care. I, I want to provide a good life for my kid and my wife and myself, and I want to live comfortably and, and – um, and I, I want to be in charge. I want to be in charge of my own destiny. And whether that ends up being a good destiny or a bad destiny remains to be seen. But so far, so good. Um, I think we have something that works. And, and uh, you know, it's I, I get enjoyment out of, out of creating something that people can have a living off of. You know, that's, 
I think that's pretty cool. Well, it's such an amazing additional step, you know, because I've, I've talked to a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs that are essentially they're self-employed and they operate completely autonomously. Right. And it's an, and it's an entirely different lifestyle than mm-hmm. having an industry or working in an industry where you have employees working for you and you're, you're the success of your business isn't just your family's life on the line and yours. It's right. all of your employees. Right. And given, yeah, this is why I have so much love and respect for people in your position is because you are assuming all the risk at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, like an employee, especially in a low skilled job, there's going to be an employee like you, like in like in this area with the number of restaurants. Uh, yeah, you're going to walk down the street. You're going to be able to get employed somewhere else. You're going to be able to. Put they'll probably they'll there. probably be on a payroll making money within 48 hours. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you are trying to pick up the scraps from a business that fell through. Right. And so that's it's just another perspective that I like to add in when people are considering those who are successful that. Does, most of it didn't happen overnight. No. There's a lot of hard work and drudgery that occurred in the process. Oh, yeah. And every day, it's still, they're the ones assuming all the risk. Yeah. And so, and they're usually you get the paid working. last. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. like when you, oh, yeah. when the money comes in, oh, yeah. the light Or broke. you give it away. Yeah. You, I, look, I, you know, I had an opportunity to take a bonus not that long ago, and I handed it out to two employees who absolutely bent over backwards to see me through a really hard patch. And then I just give it to them. It's you know, another way. It's a, again, I probably it's a, could have really used that yeah. cash, you know? Like, yeah. um, I totally get that. But, you know, the, I think... But it's family. It's, it's well, another... That's, I need those people. They're my pulse. Yeah. I, can't, I can't run without them. So, yeah. um, so you know, I, they both must have pulled 50-some-hour weeks, man. And they, they saw that extra cash, and it was like... There was like an extra spring in their step. You yeah. could tell that they were enthused. They were energized. You know? It's another way to give that thank you you were talking yeah. about earlier. Oh, man, the boss has got my back. You yeah. know, like, yeah, I didn't I didn't get a raise, but, man, he just threw 500 bucks at me. Like, okay. That's, oh, my God. That's so significant. You know? In that position at that time, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I just I went up to each of them and I said, thanks. I couldn't have done it without you. I'm going to get you guys a couple bonuses. I didn't tell them it was going to be anything. I didn't know yeah. if we were going to be able to free up 200 each, 100 each, 50 each. Sure. I didn't know. So when it came down to it, we we got the payroll all figured out. I looked down and I said, "We have a thousand dollars." Yeah, so let's split it. Give it to both of them. That's amazing. So they each got the five hundred. So, um, you know, I I think it's just you you know you just got to keep pushing on. You got to keep moving forward. And yeah, you're gonna have days that you're gonna doubt yourself, and you're gonna have days that you're wondering what the hell you got yourself into. But um, you know. I guess you can either have results or excuses, but you know, you're not going to have both in life. So yeah, that's great. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down. Not a problem at at all. I had a blast. Yeah, it was fun.